cocoon of blanket over himself. Is he just prepared yeah. for it to start screaming? Like, I don't... I, have, I don't know. The, the, it was super weird. Being cl- next like, to oh. the baby is no different to being two rows back from the baby in terms of what the baby's no, going to do to you. No, it makes no difference. So that was a bummer. And then we, we get into New York and it's like 5am in the morning and we're just dead tired because it was. it's just a... So the moral of the story is here is capitalist society, if you have a first class ticket, you can get the bare minimum of service that anybody should be given. Yeah, that you would expect. Well, and even worse than that, I left my e-reader on that flight and then they couldn't, like, find it. Yeah, because it was like five in the morning and I'm shattered at that point. Player 2 Pixelcast episode 75. I'm your host, Tim Henderson, and... Saved at the bell, so to speak. I'm joined by two very lovely gentlemen, the heroes of my life, the reasons this show even exists at the moment. Um, first up, we actually have a man who's been saving my skin for probably like the last, last month and a half right now. Um, Steve, how you doing? Pretty good, Tim. Pretty good. He, he just gets to like roll up and like be a hero, so yeah, he's feeling pretty good. Um, but also, it's been a while. Rob, welcome back. Hey, good to good to be back. Yeah, you're welcome all the time. You can come on next week and the week after, and I would highly recommend you do Secret Santa. Sadistic secret Sadistic Santa. No, Secret Santa's actually fine, but I want to tell you that Sadistic Santa is fun, and Matt should definitely, definitely have so many people who want to do it that there is no chance that there would even be space for me. I'll have to reconsider. I've just been busy on, on side stuff, so... Like I confirmed this like this morning, really. That I could they could squeeze it in. Free game and everything. <laughs> free game may uh, not be quality. <laughs> I've played plenty of bad ones. Don't you worry. Oh, you have no idea. And <laughs> I don't know where Santa finds these, but apparently on Steam's. Uh, uh, yeah, he's really scraping the bottom of the sack with some of these entries. Wow, that is an amazing sentence. <laughs> I mean, yeah, anyway, um, but yes, today, today, whatever, um, we're basically going to be talking open worlds, what do we like about them, what don't we like about them, how do we feel about them becoming literally all of video games, but before that, we have been playing games, and, um, Rob, you have apparently told me that Art of Rally is going to tie into this? Yeah, slightly way, um, we, surprisingly, I don't think we've actually talked about it, like, it'll cover it, covered it, but, so Art of Rally is a... They call it arcade. I say mid-level rally game, sort of historically. You start off in the 60s, and you're driving, like, fictionalized versions of real-life cars. You're sort of driving through to, like, the Group B monsters of the 80s that were why rally got depowered, because driver fatalities. It's it's very chill, very arcade. Like, it's sort of arcade in that you don't have to do... It like, looks super arcade This does not look like a sim. Yeah, but the thing is, it's got, like, the physics model. It's got a lighter physics model, so it's not, like, dirt rally. But it's not, it's not Sega Rally either, so oh, it sits man. in the middle. Sega Rally was so much fun. Yeah. So this is like, and, and the aesthetics of it are amazing. Um, like the visual low poly stuff looks amazing. Um, there's, a, there's a, 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 an amazing soundtrack. And part of it is like, so most of it is you do these sort of like, there are six locales, um, Germany, Finland, Japan, uh, Norway, Sardinia, and Kenya. Kenya was just added. And so the idea is you, you go through these seasons, it, it procedurally picks them, so it picks, like, you'll do a season and it'll be, like, it's a four-stage rally in Kenya. So it randomly picks, um, so each rally's got, like, six legs and they're fold and reverse, so it randomly strings strings them together, and then they get longer and it has multiples, and, you know, you just do your rally time trial, start to finish, how, how well you place, and then you do repair. And then there's also, there's also a daily and weekly mode, so every day it just picks up a random leg and car combination, and you drive that and, you know, place on your internet leaderboard. But, yeah, the open world thing is basically it's sort of like, to familiarise yourself with each locale, there's like a little open world thing where it's just like like a custom course that's just this wide space you drive around, collect stuff. Um, it's a very chill game, though. It can get intense in just trying to, like, handle some of the more powerful cars. But it's just, it's it's very relaxing. It's like, you know, if you mess up, you you just, the screen fades and you get plonked back on the course of time penalty. Is this in part because Rally is typically a solo event or does the game yeah. have other elements that are just kind of... It's very, like, because of the solo nature of Rally, I think it's a large part of it. Like, you don't have to deal with other traffic, you know. It's not like 
other games that like do the rally cross thing where you are racing other cars at the same time. It's just classic rally doing it solo. And the thing is, by going with the old school stuff, like you get stuff like escorts and minis with the names filed off. You get these slow <laughs> cars to start with. <laughs> and that's actually one of the things I love about it is the writing. So when you go through the process of selecting your car, like the names that that they give each car are funny that sort of refer to them. But there's also like just little hilarious blurbs that are complete nonsense that are that are quite witty to read of sort of like how they, they fit into the into the, the, the place. And you know, and then there's stuff like on if you're playing on PC you can also there's the ability to import like texture livery so you can create custom textures and there's sites doing that. But most of them like have like the iconic so- like livery that they're associated with in sort of low low detail form so you can sort of spot them and recognize it it's a it is a massive love letter to it and it's a really amazing game i mean i've 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 sort of split between playing it on on the pc and on ps5 and on ps5 it actually uses the 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 rumble triggers on the dual sense really nicely um so like when you're Uh. sliding into a corner it it does apply a bit of resistance to the like your acceleration and braking so it's actually a neat little, neat little thing. It's one. Of, admittedly, this is one of the things that I was excited for in like the PS5 with the with the gamepad is how it would apply for driving games. Um, but yeah, it's a fun game. It doesn't demand a lot of, of time from you, you know, because of the nature of the courses. You know, most rallies you can do in like fifteen minutes. So it's a very fifteen very is a long game. time for a single race. Keep in mind. Well, that's like a single. That's like a rally of like three or four stages. Like they're mostly right, like we're closer to reasonable there. Yeah, it's like most stages are like two to three minutes long. A single stage, two to three minutes long. Some might go to five or six, but it, it's like usually two to three minutes long. Some are even like, there's one course um, that's like under a minute 30. Yeah. Damn. So, wait, looking at the screenshots and some of the video, though, it looks almost like micro machines. Like, mechanically, yeah. is it is it kind of a top down or is it does it actually get it behind it's- the car a bit more? Um, it is, there are like, there's eight angles of the camera that you can adjust. Oh. So you got flexible, it, but it is primarily designed for that sort of top down ish view. Um, so that, I know that's a thing that some people have commented they don't like because you don't have the co-driver stuff. But the courses, you do get enough view that you can sort of see yourself. Um, but I couldn't, that's something you've got to get used to. Some mightn't get it. And I can understand that how that doesn't work for folk, but I, I still think it's definitely worth you know, watching some videos and stuff on to see whether you might be able to get it, get into it. I mean, it looks really cute. Yeah, it's it, it and, and emotion is just so so slick. Um, I would say avoid it on Switch. Um, I was about Switch to ask or, how's the frame rate and how important is it, that because it looks like it could be a it, great Switch game, but yeah, the frame rate's not great on Switch, and the controls just feel way like they like there feels lag. That there isn't when playing on, on, like I said, I've only played PC. I've played on PC on Windows. I've played on my MacBook. Um, the I mean, frame rate can literally the, affect that. So yeah. Whereas, like, even my MacBook's like, you know, it's a three-year-old MacBook Pro, and it's like that game. It's got auto detail stuff and silky smooth frame rate plays great. But yeah, the Switch one, it, it's I think it's like locked at thirty, and the controls just feel. Full, like, I feel like feels, that's the thing that we're starting to hear more and more with Switch stuff as well. That don't. It used to be, oh, play it on the Switch, it's great for these, like, sort of, you know, indie, low-requirement titles, and now we're getting to the point in its lifespan where it's like, don't play it on the Switch, it runs like garbage. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing, I was looking forward to the Switch port as well, because I thought maybe that'd, that'd pull it off, but unfortunately not. Um, I'm sure they only have so, like, many, so much in the way of resources as well. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is, the the, the the worlds are pretty big here. Like, and even though there's a low poly style, there is a, you know quite a bit of a draw distance. So, in a way, I'm ultimately not surprised that it that it struggles a bit on it. Although I guess the 30 frames per second is actually probably a smart move. But, but the uncapped frame rate has become my like dread of the last five years. I think. Yeah, I like, learned a lot about how yeah. Fr- a, Capped 30 frames per second is a lot better than an uncapped 40 to 50 frames per second. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, for me, I think if the controls weren't as laggy, it would probably be okay. Um, and that being said, I don't know if there's been any updates on Switch um, that may have, whether that's going to be in the cards. But if they can get that improved, then I think it actually will be playable enough. It won't look as pretty, but it'll actually be playable enough. 
Alright, so yeah, Google the Switch version first and see if it's been updated. Yeah. This is general advice. I do actually like look at this though, like I'm wondering if I should actually dive in. It's been, it, it, I've, I've actually forgot the name of it, it's like an old PC. Maybe in PlayStation like, oh. as well, but I think it was PC title. It was like Micro Machines, but not really, it's like realistic Micro Machines, and I don't remember what it's called, but it's like this very specific piece of nostalgia from like, I don't know, 1997. Now you got you got this is it. evoking. Um, all right, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave Rob in pain. Uh, you say, can come at ignition. Was that it? Like was that. it called ignition? Yeah, ignition was like 97 or so. So that's that's what comes to mind. Um, I should also mention. I think it's on Game Pass for Xbox. So that just give it a go. <laughs> yeah, I love this new. Just give it a like. It's gonna change at some point. Game Pass is gonna change reviews like the same way Netflix has it. It's not. Is it worth your money? Is like. Is it worth your time? Yeah. So I do believe it's on there. So yeah, if you've got if you've got Game Pass on Xbox, then definitely I think, and I think the Windows one as well. Yeah, give it a give it a whirl. It's I think I I raved about it in it was like my indie of the year in our end of year stuff last year, um, and I've just still been pottering around for it ever since. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's not really defined by the times, I guess. So yeah, I would. Actually, I'm potentially going to sign up to Game Pass soon because I want to play Psychonauts. I'm just, like, giving up on, like, getting a decent deal on the PlayStation version. Anyway, Steve, you've been playing some hot new shit that is on the... I mean, you have to play it on the Switch, I'm sorry. Yeah, there's literally no other option, although it very much feels like there is going to be some other options. I've heard a few people going, where is the PlayStation version? I feel like this is coming. Yeah. Um, So, Shin Megami Tensei Five, Yay! Um, It's... Not a Persona game, which is probably going to disappoint a lot of people who are coming over from, you know, Persona 4 or Persona 5 most recently and mm. expecting um, that sort of experience, which it's absolutely not. So if you are familiar with the Shin Megami Tensei series, uh, it's very much following on from 4, which I dabbled with on the 3DS, but again, the 3DS wasn't really the platform I wanted to play a new SMT game yeah. on. So I didn't get too far into that. Um, this is shaping up pretty well. It's running on the Unreal Engine, which is, again, one of the hallmarks of it's definitely getting ported to other systems. Uh, <laughs> so far, it runs okay on the Switch. But again, I'm really starting to feel that hardware is getting very long in the tooth. And I won't be surprised if for 2022, it's basically on its last legs and the only thing keeping it alive is Nintendo first-party stuff because I have to imagine um, that a lot of third They keep on selling out, though, like... Again, is that... That's not because of new games a lot of the time, I don't think. No, it's... it's People are still buying Mario Kart. And we're slowly getting to the point where that hardware is five years old and it's time to wind it up. Uh, Especially at the rate Nintendo is pumping out first-party stuff these days, it's not fast enough to sustain that user base I don't think and it's just really awkward timing with a new gen of consoles about to hit their stride next year to then look at the Switch trailing and be like hey but we've got Breath of the Wild 2 which runs at 720p and is capped at 30 frames well there was that um, pushing every piece of power out of the hardware and third parties of of, um, I think the dock for the Switch OLED which implied that it may... I mean, it's hard to say. It may just be that the updated components were cheaper. But, like, that dock is capable of outputting 4K. Yeah. So it, it is it, entirely possible that they actually did bake and, like, plan I mean, a a Switch the Plus and then components just got expensive back. and they were like, screw it, let's just release an OLED version. Yeah, and I really feel like the OLED was just kind of a stopgap to them actually doing, like, a full-blown proper... Either it being, you know, the fabled Switch Pro or just an actual... I think it'll be a Super Switch. I think they're just going to do a whole new one and it'll be backward compatible and maybe there'll be some cross, but... It's always been the way of Nintendo to at least have that previous gen playable so that it encourages people to jump on board. Uh, I think it's been a while since they've done a full-blown break where you can't play previous gen stuff. You mean like the Switch? Uh, yeah, but again, I think it'd be a, a bit too quick for them to do that again. Now, I think they will probably, you know, I, I think it's getting such with their hardware that it doesn't really make sense to, like, they're locked into that cartridge format, and I think if you were to 
it's the pro- it's the same problem Sony has run into as well with the PS5 and Microsoft to a lesser degree with the Series X. You can't build such an incredibly sized user base and then tell them all to sod off um, and that they can't play their old games anymore. It's yeah. the same reason we're getting God of War Ragnarok on the PS4 and we're getting Horizon um, Forbidden West on the PS4. Well, so there's just a lot of PS4s out there. But anyway, um, we're turning this into a topic as opposed to games discussion. Shin Megami Tensei, where are we at? Uh, so, yeah, if you've never played an SMT game before, it's um, generally a post-apocalyptic setting. Uh, some awful event has transpired and demons now infest Earth and you are generally trying to overthrow them in what amounts to a pretty bog-standard JRPG these days of leveling up. Um, I guess some of the systems used to be fairly unique, but a lot of them are adopted by other games. And if you've never played an SMT game before and this is your first, you're going to feel like it's cribbing a lot of stuff that has actually been cribbed from it over the years. So negotiating with demons to get them to join your team, it's a little bit My persona is actually an offshoot of... Shin Megami Tensei yeah. as well like people are going to feel the other way around but because I Persona is just bigger in the west now but like it's technically the other way around yeah uh, well and again like Persona has that very much like social life sim element to it which SMT mm. doesn't have as much it's very much the traditional JRPG of you're cruising around an open world you're engaging in random battles you've got quests that are generally fairly um, you know linear and you know pick up item from point a and take it back to point b or you know whatnot it does have you know a lot of um the modern conveniences so fast travel and things like that um it's pretty easy to save anywhere uh but it's i don't think it's going to be for everybody especially the setting i think is going to you know maybe turn a lot of people off because going to this very sort of what can look fairly drab post-apocalyptic it's very sandy is, looking maybe those Tokyo yeah. poking. it could be any city just with a lot of sand based on uh, based Tokyo, on the trailers I've not played the full yeah. well at least as far as I'm into it it's Tokyo there's Tokyo Tower in the distance and um, you know a lot of other elements I'm really early days into it um, but again it feels like it's shaping up to be uh, you know a solid JRPG experience for those people who are into the genre and looking for something that's maybe a little bit more mature but it does you know follow a lot of the tropes and other things um i think it's going to make shin megami tensei fans happy i think if you're a diehard jrpg person you're going to get something out of it i think if you're coming into this expecting um persona you're going to be extremely disappointed and my advice would be to just go and pick up um five strikers if you haven't so far because i think that's the closest you're going to get to a persona experience on a portable it's not the vita so yeah, you should just get um, a Vita. I'm interested in everyone should already have a Vita and have Persona 4 Golden, and it's because it's it's. I'm sorry, people, it's still the best um, Persona game that isn't a bloated mess. Uh, but back on SMT5, yeah, if you're into JRPGs and you want something that's a little bit um, different from the usual uh, fantasy tropes, or you know some elements of weird sci-fi and stuff, but obviously you know demons and other stuff, it's you it's negotiate with them, right? You can, it's still got that thing where you... Yeah. Um, it's 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 really retro, though. It's very much like um, you'll have three options and you have to memorize which is the correct set of options because if you don't get it correct the first time, you just have to yeah. go through it again and stuff like that. So it can be a little bit trial and error. And I can imagine some people are just going to go, well, I'm just going to Google what I need to say to every demon when course, I'm trying to negotiate. doing that with the, like, exam test questions in the, in the Persona games. Yeah, so it's a lot of um, a lot of some of that battle system stuff in there, and the fusion system and things like that from that might be familiar from the Persona games, but a, a fairly different tone. Again, none of the high school life sim stuff at all. It's um, very different to that. One question and, though how 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 are you finding the difficulty? Because I've heard a lot of people saying they're hitting like major spikes of boss specific boss encounters and such. I think what people are forgetting is that we've been coddled recently with a lot of uh, newer JRPGs that very much make it so you don't have to grind. Like, you, if you do, you know, what we assume is, you know, a low to average amount of battles on the way to the boss battle, you will be at the level you need to be at for that boss. Or, you know, the kind of thing where they cap the enemies in an area 
and when you get up to a certain amount of experience or you get to a certain level, the enemies in that area just stop giving you experience so they can, you know, better pace out um, that and you're not having to grind. If you're not grinding in um, SMT5, that's when you're probably going to run into trouble because it really wants you to be putting those uh, demons into battle, fusing them, upgrading them. If you don't want to get on board with the battle system to any depth and you just want to mash your way through, you're going to get to bosses and you're going to have a bad time because you're not going to have the attacks you need for their weaknesses. You're not going to have the defense you need against status effects and stuff like that. It's To old school players, it's pretty standard stuff, but I think myself included, we've lost patience for a lot of that stuff. It feels like it's wasting your time and it's artificially extending the length of the game. It kind and, of is. It doesn't just feel like it. Well, and, what would I say? The um, you know, the the juice isn't worth the squeeze in a lot of cases. Like you feel like you're a hamster running on a spinning wheel, um, and it's not really giving you much enjoyment out of it. Uh, they have released an add-on difficulty that you can download for free called Safety, which I have to assume just drops everything way down. And it basically mm. says if you want to plow through and experience the story, just play it on Safety. Like, if you have some weird prideful qualms about doing that, then just be prepared Adhere to, to your grind. prideful qualms. Yeah. yeah, it's what you're going to have to do to get through what is, in some ways, an old-school design philosophy. Yeah, I mean, it does sound like it's being very rigid um, in what it is. Yeah, it, it, that's it, like in some ways it's modern and in other ways it's very much that sort of this thing could be on the PlayStation 1 and you wouldn't bat an eyelid in some ways. I mean, it'd look amazing, but yeah, I get, I get where you're coming. I, yeah, I expect there's like some people who like are going to absolutely love this, but it, it sounds like maybe the issue I ended up having with um, Xenogears 2 where like it just needs too much of your attention. Mm, like, I, and that's where, like I said, that juice isn't worth the squeeze thing comes in. Like, it's it. It's you can't not just rewarding. go on a date. You need to it, marry the fucking thing. Yeah, it doesn't. You don't feel skilled for being able to exploit the battle system. You just need to put the time in because it's all very rote. It's like, well, this enemy needs this enemy is weak to this attack, and this demon has that attack. But I also need to level it up to this point. So it's. It's just time. It's asking time for That's you more than what, skill. Yeah, just, grind is. Like, it's not a strategy. Yeah, it's, it's a... Just chew on it. Yeah. Just keep on chewing. Yeah, it's that It's that weird philosophy, which I guess probably ties into maybe some cultural stuff and things like that, that it, it's, you know, hours put in as opposed to skill. Hmm. That makes sense as a portal yeah. to a certain degree. Like, I got, I get why grind became, or remained so prevalent in Japan, where, they, like, it increasingly became, like, a portable country, because... I don't have time to sit there and really immerse myself in, like, story beats in a game, but I've got, like, these... As we were speaking before the show, I've got to get to work on three different train companies, and I've got ten, three ten-minute blocks of time. Yeah. I'll and crank out this works for that, time. but... Yeah. And obviously on the Switch. But again, like, if if you're not keen on grinding and you're also not just going to let yourself play on the easy difficulties then it's probably not for you either, but I'd say that most JRPGs are... I think the genre is a little bit like shonen anime in that it's very much for a particular age group, and once you're outside of that age group, it's really flipping hard to justify putting all that time and energy in because the storylines are very rarely mature or worthy of your attention. The gameplay is... It's for people who have more time than money. (laughs) <laughs> like it always was like I can buy one game a year I'll buy this 100 hour JRPG and that is what we'd recommend if you are literally just need something to kill like two months over Christmas this is probably a good recommendation yeah it's it's by no means a bad game but it is what it is and it's not for everybody cool well what I'm playing is free we're gonna move in there but we're a bit internet themed I've actually been playing I'm playing is a loose term here um, I've been playing, I guess what, Pik- Pikmin Bloom. Was that the mobile one? Yeah, so this is Pokemon Go with Pikmin. And so with the added selling point, at least to me, of it, the main reason I've stuck with this, and I've only been playing for a week, is that it's a lot less screen intensive. I was going to say, how's your phone battery going? I mean, it's still being hammered, and I'm a bit worried I mean it's gotten better over the last couple of days when I've gotten used to it but I'm a bit more worried about my um, data usage at the moment 
But my, my phone is now three and a half years old, so that I can't tell if the battery's being hammered or not. It, it literally dies in like a third of the time it mm. used to, regardless. But yeah, like I said, this is basically Pokemon Go with Pikmin. And like, aesthetically, it is Pokemon Go. It looks like fucking Pokemon Go. It's like, there is no big jump here. They've gone and gotten the Pokemon Go engine and put Pikmin into it. Is it made by the same company? Yes, the Antic. It, like it-, it is okay. absolutely the same company. You, like, the DNA is like just right there through. But it is like it's somehow even more passive Pokemon Go, which at one one hand is totally for me. On the other hand, I had maybe two fantastic months with Pokemon Go and then never looked at it again. And it was like super fun in that brief couple of months when everybody I knew was playing it because I'm never playing the game that is in the zeitgeist. And it was rad going to work and like people were talking about that and somebody was really upset because they had a Pikachu and they lost it. Everyone's walking around with uh, and everybody you know, now batteries to keep their yeah phones like odd two phones <laughs> at once. Now it's it's weird. Like you see it around a lot, but it seems to be like men who are like sixty years or older mostly <laughs> who are like really into Pokemon Go. I got a, I got I got a friend who's still pretty heavily into it. Um, I mean, people clearly are. I think that thing is making bank, which makes me wonder if they even needed to make this. Because I, I don't again. I think it. it do you wonder if it's just Nintendo approaching them? Because obviously Nintendo has had designs on the mobile space for a little while mm. now, and they're exploring. Into it keeps that the branding in there, more. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because Pikmin feels like a weird choice. I don't know if anyone was clamoring for it. I, the thing is, Pikmin is my like... favorite Nintendo property. So when I like, that's the only reason I downloaded this. If it was Mario Go, I would have been like, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> but it does actually make some sort of sense because I mean, Pikmin is like. I mean, the actual core Pikmin games is just this weird little guy and you kind of crash on these alien worlds, which are basically Earth, and then you command these Pikmin and, like, send them out in expeditions and stuff. Hmm. So here you get... You open the game for the first time and, like, they give you your first Pikmin and you walk ten steps and then it hatches. And then, you know... And you get some dopamine. And then you walk... Yeah, and then... And then they get some more seeds. Well, most of them are on 1,000 steps. The thing that works for this game for me, I mean, if this game does what I guess it theoretically does, I guess it's a net boon, which is it just makes you walk around more. I was going to say, Tim has also dropped six kilos in the time that he started playing Pikmin. <laughs> I mean, that I mean that would be like a health boon, but as it is, like, just my, the nature of my work means I am walking around a lot anyway. I've not used a step counter in a while. Um, yeah. But since I've played it, I've, what is it, today, I think I'm, I'm learning at the moment, I think I'm around 14,000 steps. And that's, that's not, that's, actually I went for an additional walk to buy Resident Evil 7, but that's not Pikmin Bloom, that was me going, maybe I want something else. Oh, sorry, I'm at 15,339, to be very precise. Nice. Which, according to this, is over my average by 1,300 steps. So I walk around a lot, in general. So this kind of just worked for me as a thing, as like, I'll put it in my back pocket and it's going to happen. Yeah. But, I mean, the basic mechanics is... Obviously, like, just the more you walk, you kind of... You can set it so you, like, plant little flowers as you go. You can send... And then your Pikmin will, like, find other seeds of Pikmin, which you can then plant in your backpack, because, of course, they have to have some reason why you're planting these somewhere without standing still. And everywhere you go, they'll kind of discover things, which is maybe the most cool little thing about it. So I've... Workers sent me to Shiga, Kyoto, and the south of Osaka Prefecture in the last week. This sounds very much to me like some of the Street Pass games on the 3DS, which were... And I think this maybe ties into... I think the appeal is very similar to Street Pass, yeah. where it's not really a game, but it's this cool little thing that have no, in the background. It's gamifying, you know, some light exercise. And I think that maybe one of the issues with Pokemon Go is that, it, as you said, it's too intensive, like it demands too much of you too frequently to actually function as something that you can just slot into your life for extended periods of time it's a bit like animal crossing for a lot of people like Hmm. that's a game where ideally you play it in regular chunks of an hour or two every one to two days and people can do that for a while and then eventually everyone you know you just drop off and pokemon go is the same whereas i think this sounds to me like the kind of thing where you could check in for five minutes every day and that's it. You collect and the shit that you Pikmin have collected. You send them out on expeditions elsewhere. It's like, you go get that lemon in that other pre... It helps if, if again, like, just because my life has me moving around this country a lot. You guys go get that, 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 that. And then I'm just going to put this thing in my pocket and occasionally look at it if I'm bored. Yeah, and that's where, like, I think Pokemon Go was just extremely active. Like, you need to be spinning at the Pokestops and fighting, you know, for other things. And it's just... it. 
ended up being more like an actual game. And I think for something like that, it ends up becoming a chore. And you get to the point where, well, if I... You would rather not do it. And that's where I get with Animal Crossing. Like, I know that I have to put this much time in every single day or I don't get what I want out of it. And I can't do that right now, so I'd rather just not play it at all. And I think that's where Pokemon Go landed for a lot of people after a while. And it sounds like maybe this is Nintendo's attempt and Niantic's attempt at trying to make something that is more, like, extremely casual friendly. Like, I do only need to check it at five minutes a day, if that... And I can get something out of it, and it is just supposed to be this light yeah. thing that ties in with stuff I'm already doing. Or maybe it does just. There's a bit more to do than that, oh, but it's it's yeah. kind of like you could literally while I'm waiting for the bus, or right, I've done everything I need to do for like this five hour block lunch break. While I'm waiting for the microwave to go, I've done everything I need to do again, and then on the way home at some point, same deal. But it, it's kind of just a glorified step counter. Yeah, with Which just is fun, like, like some gamification, and yeah, it's cool at what it is. It's not the first time Nintendo have done that. You go back to Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver with the Poker Walker, like, and I would argue that even that was maybe a little bit, you know, too intensive for some people. But this, like, you have my attention because that sounds like something I'd be way more interested in than, you know, the demands of something like Pokemon Go that feels it starts to feel like work and laborious whereas i would like prefer something that's light and breezy like i open it up it's like hey here's what you get for doing all these steps great work and then i'm i bounce collect those little fruit feeds themselves to the pikmin and then yeah just be on your way so yeah this is this is basically an ultimate back it is like i would say it's a, it's a glorified cutesified step counter but you know what if that gets you walking around that's probably not a bad thing for your health yeah the kind of thing Actually, where you're like i've got 10 minutes if i go for a quick walk around the block I can unlock my extra thing and that'll make me happy for the day, then it's kind of a win-win. I mean, it's manipulative, but at least it's benefiting you. Yeah, as it is, yeah. Um, so we're going to take a short back break, and when we come back, we're going to be in, like the real one, the open worlds. back and believe it or not the world is not closed in around us oh my gosh this is too cheesy i can't even do it <laughs> yeah we're, we're basically talking we're in some kind of an open world tim yes do you want to take over steve this is probably your forte like the really bad jokes as a way of leading in i thought that was pretty good i think yeah. you you did the show proud. i had it and then i was like no this is this is this is for huso to do not me you did um, commit to the bit tim you got to commit to the bit sometimes not committing works better though um but yeah we are basically embrace, embrace the cheese i could i, I could no, i could pretend we're noticing the same thing i could have pretended we were noticing five years ago which is it just seems like everything is becoming an open world game in some capacity and there are some things, actually for me in particular, there are some things I like and there are some things I really do not like about this. Um, and when I put out the email call for this, I was like, I bet we're going to have some stuff we're going to disagree on when it comes to appeal um, and disappeal. And Steve, literally just before we came in, you were saying something about getting all your Ubisoft jokes ready? I, I mean, it's, it's it's like shooting fish in a barrel with Ubisoft Open World, and people have been ragging on them for years because it's just such a rote design cookie cutter that they use in all of their games, and you know we'll we'll create this, and it's like the back of the box has to be like you know this giant open space. A giant open space doesn't mean that it's good. You could jump into no. Unity and make a never-ending game and have nothing good to do in it, and no one would care. And I think... Can you go off the road in Desert Bus? I've never played Desert Bus. crystallized for me the negatives. I don't know. I feel like it's the kind of thing where you probably could and there's just And just holding and forward and it's just forever. like and a line of blue and a line of kind of an orangey gold. 
Yeah, I yeah. don't know if anyone's ever tried it in Desert Bus. I think, I, I know, like, if you... I don't know if you go off the road, then eventually you have to get towed on and reset. So there is a limit to how far it's you can It's not really an open world road. game. You are following... The, anyway, sorry. Ubisoft. Uh, but again, like, some people very much like those games. Um, I think that level of open world has started to just um, really put me off. It's very much the billion collectibles and the smattering of missions that aren't particularly exciting. And it's just bloat. Like, it it just feels feels bloated. And then you go to the other end of the spectrum with things like... Like... Oh, no. All right, so Steve... We've lost Steve. He's blinking, though. No, I just I was waiting for you. It's cool, cool, cool. <laughs> we have psyched each other out to a fake internet crash. That is excellent. Um, no, I was like, because uh, the first thing you okay. said was um, about design. I'm like, I'm almost like, it's just not design. They're just, it's almost like they're throwing, it's like, okay, we can find some stuff to collect. And then just, just throw some pins at where people have to collect it. it it's it's like FOMO. Because it's like, you've got, it, it, it's like that that thing where I'm sure for people who have, like co- compulsive things are like they've got to check everything off and it's just like is that really what the what the game yeah, should I'm not be now? I'm not enjoying a moment of this but I'm still going to do it all yeah like for a and while think- um, so for a while like over my Christmas holidays I would I would sit down and play Mad Max um, on, on the on the PS4 and it'd be just like I would just be just doing the stuff randomly and it's just like because I'm on holiday, I don't really want to... Instead of working my way through an actual game that's that's tightly compacted and got a nice hmm. story and stuff together, I'm just playing this thing. And it's like... I like the driving. I like the skies. I, I feel like the skies yeah. in the game looked really nice. Yeah, they were. I fully agree with that. It was like... It, it had the atmosphere. And it's like... I, I would have loved that game more if it had been... If it wasn't so much open world, do all the stupid little things... And it was just like, let me drive around, do some proper missions, and have it like a tighter focus. It's like, it feels like for me, the open world stuff is like, like we were talking about, like Steve was talking about with um, SMT5, is just, it's sort of like another form of grind. And. Because your progress yeah, gets undone know. a lot, especially in like Mad Max, is like, why, they, why these snipers keep on coming back? I've killed them so many times now. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like. Doesn't need like we don't need to do that so often, and it's just like, you know, you could pad, you could have the world compacted down, remove half the blow, and you'd have a more interesting game that would probably keep people hooked by throwing new stuff at you more often rather than just like repeating the same things. Like you know, I always think back to the original Assassin's Creed where it was literally the the main missions themselves were cool, but you had to do all that useless BS before you actually got to the mission for like intel gathering. And, and that was like, before they added leveling up to the games, where you literally could not assassinate anybody anymore because yeah. you were high enough level. I just fell five floors onto this guy, stuck a knife in his neck, and he got back up and punched me because I hadn't done enough grinding beforehand. That's, that's the worst of both worlds. It's like all the grinding nonsense and the open world nonsense, it's like nuts and gum, together at last, and for no one's benefit. <laughs> I wonder if it's not just them trying to compete against, like, games as a service and other things. Like, they want to keep you on the hook for as long as possible, and the way to do that is to steadily dole out the content over a period of time. Like, we're looking at things like Assassin's Creed now that wants to keep you on the hook for at least a year, if not 18 months, so they've got time to cook up the next one, and they keep dropping, you know, season pass stuff and things like that. And you can put 100 to 200 hours into those games easily, but I don't think the gameplay warrants that. And I think a lot of the people doing it, it's just this weird compulsion to just keep putting the hours into something to check those boxes, to get your trophies and your achievements and whatever, and to, you know, hit that completion rate. And the, yeah, these I games are frequently rated... Because they enjoy it. These games are frequently rated 15 or 18 plus. So the, so the people who have time to do that technically should not be playing these games. No. Yeah, but, you know, and it's I a think- soft 15, like... 18 is one thing where they're going to enforce, but 15, you know, I'm sure... Whatever, man. Sell to a 10-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. It's historical. It's it's educational. Uh, 
I think if you go the other end of the spectrum, it's something like L.A. Noire, which people complained about that there was nothing else to do in that game in the open world apart from the missions. And it's like, no, because the city is literally just a backdrop. It's not a playground. No, its, it's, pu- it's purpose you know, was to provide atmosphere, and it kind of worked pretty well with that, I felt. Yeah. and Also, there's I literally nothing in L.A. as we've been discussing off-camera <laughs> again. <laughs> Yeah, you can drive very long distances to go to do things, much like the real Los Angeles. So if you want that authentic experience, then jump into L.A. Noir and spend a lot of time driving to get to do very infrequent things. Um, but again, and I think I think it's a kind of... People are going to complain either way. They're going to whinge that there's too much stuff to do and uh, it's bloated and it's a mess... Or they're going to whinge there's not enough stuff to do and it's disappointing. And I don't think the companies really care either way as long as you've paid for the game. Well, I think they want you to keep you in the game. And I think every company seems to think that their game is going to be the one that keeps everybody. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to being like going, you know, we're going to get the guy's money and we're going to keep him for a couple of months and that's okay. Like they seem to have this idea they have to keep you for the better part of a year. I feel, and I feel this is this is probably me talking um, as well from a bit of personal experience and like ruminating on both video games and board games, and the idea that these are anything but finite ephemeral experiences that we're supposed to use and discard, and they're not these sacred treasures that we need to worship and hold on to and feel like they're you know these very important things to us because they are in a sense, but it's like. It's how really... special they are doesn't have them to do with anything yeah. to do with them being a hundred hours. Like Journey is my second favorite no. game ever. It was feature length, film length. Like, so we're talking about sunk cost fallacy. Then that I will value this game more purely because I put all of these hours into it, as opposed to the getting the quality of that particular experience out. And I'm feeling I'm st- I feel like I've been doing a lot of work to move away from that myself. Like get away from that idea that something is good because I put a lot of hours into it or, you know, I need to feel like every single one of these things is super important. And I just don't know if we've got there with the medium at this point. Like, you can watch TV and it can be extremely disposable and you can do the same with films. And I think people have had enough experience with those mediums to separate it. But I don't know if people are quite there uh, with video games yet. I'm sure a lot of people are. Um, If you talk to Ken... He's quite happy yep. to tell you to toss all your old games in the bin. They're rubbish. Don't one at play a time. It's not worth it. Just and, one at a time. Just uh, don't hold on to games. Just trade them back in. Yeah, one at a time. If it's no good, trade it back in. Get another one. You know, then they're, they're not important. They're not worth worrying about. We should have it's Ken here. He's actually weirdly enlightened here in a sense. Fact- yeah. It's just another thing that you're doing to distract your brain from the fact that you're slowly dying over an extended period of time. All right, it's not got too grim here, Steve. <laughs> Uh, uh, interesting morbid point of morbidity that's for sure <laughs> but yeah, it's just this move to making everything open world I think like has bugged me for a very long time and I feel like it was like a decade ago now that I was first like you know what you, you traverse an overworld you explore a cave yeah hmm. I mean and yeah. we're, we're talking over a decade now like if we're going back to you know something like oblivion or even morrowinds and you know earlier than that like the first open world games were coming out on what early ps2 era stuff probably around there if we're looking at something like gta 3 and you know so what probably i bet getting... a lot of people are discovering outside of how bad those remasters are that that game is not actually very good yeah <laughs> no it's not 2021 it was in 2001 I don't but think it was good so then, personally, but... I, yeah, I, I, I played it, it was, originally, like, a year later, and it's like... It was it, always it like garbage mechanically. It was always... Yeah, me- I, like, it, it was That's... technically an amazing thing that all this stuff was, like, happening, but... Okay, I, I think I've described this again... I'm referring to, like, off-the-show stuff a lot before, but I've described this game as Mario Party before. What I mean, so Mario Party is this game where you, at least Mario Party is colourful though, where you've kind of got this, you've got this big board and you move around it and then you do a shitty game that doesn't really work properly and then somebody wins and you like move to the next one. GTA 5 is like that, except you can like move freely around the board, but you still end up doing the shitty game 
Because none of the missions in that game are particularly good, and mechanics are actually kind of, you're fighting against them all the time. Except the board is entirely grey and made of cardboard, and it has, like, weirdly sexist humour that people thought was edgy at the time. Yes. I, I'm I'm not going to go to bat for GTA 3. It's definitely not the best in the series. And then Vice City had that remote control measure. helicopter mission, which is maybe the single worst piece of game design I've played in a big budget game. But then, yeah, and then you look at great. San and, and then you look at San Andreas and just how many systems it put on top of it to bloat it out. Like that that trilogy is actually a, actually worth looking at in sequence of like you have this poor execution, and, and they have, never tightened it; they fattened it. Yeah, and they've just kept fattening it ever since. And I mean, now they're all bake rolling the whole thing off off the GTA Five Online business, and it's just like, nah. Around well, four, the, yeah, the, the shooting at least started working, but... I think it's the gamer mindset of, you can't give me less. Yeah. You can't give me less than I had yeah. last time. I would take less. I would take... It's like, hey, our game is kind of open world. It's half the size of this other one, but look at how much stuff we have. And I think that's that's, what I... I guess maybe just focused experiences aren't as appreciated. Like, you know... Back to the Yakuza series or Judgment or anything like that, like people would say, "Oh, it's like it's like Japanese GTA." It's, it's a not much really smaller city block, and I enjoyed a lot more. That was like, yeah, that was the only reference point they had for that sort of thing, I guess. Like, because I guess they never Shamu never really took off like enough. That. Um. But it's you know, it's it's way more focused, and I think I these days I appreciate that much more. Like, I don't feel immersed traveling over a really extensive open world it, it's really it just hard because do it's just like it, it, I don't know like it, it's weird to me how much of a standard The Witcher 3 still is especially when it comes to side content imagine if open world games held themselves to the same level with the other shit to do that The Witcher 3 had it's like Ghost of Tsushima was probably the most recent open world game that I've played and even that was like by the end of it, I was like, oh, I'm just going to fast travel quite a bit because I'm not getting anything out of this traversal. Like, it's pretty, but I have very limited time and very limited patience for this sort of stuff anymore. And I think there's only so many times they can be like, oh, but look at this amazing vista. And it's like, I mean, yeah, I you guess. You could do like, that without having to be in open world. I'm still fascinated by the way that Alan Wake, they build an open world. I, I, I say this is a not huge fan of that game, but I'm. My favorite thing about that is how full that game feels for a linear game. It's because they kind of built the whole world and then changed their mind and what it was going to be. And I think what I want more of is like more what I guess is called wide linear, like open spaces, like what you would get in a Tomb Raider or some of those parts yeah. of the Uncharted games. Where, but it's still the designed and kind of so it's a possibility space, whereas a lot of open worlds just feel like they've just kind of hit a button to generate some terrain. And it's just something to chew um, over. It's just a point A to point B. Um, which is, again, maybe why... Like, Sorry. Not Breath of the Wild, with its sort of, you know, triangular design philosophy and the way they built that world, like, you you know, things should be hidden from view and you should mm. be discovering stuff, like, trying to get that sense of discovery. And then you play some other sort of open-world games. It's like, we'll stick a cave here and we'll stick a cave yeah. here. And, I actually bounced you know, off it, Zelda as well, but I actually super respect his philosophy, unlike, say, GTA. <laughs> um, and the, I, the one I find interesting is, um, of all things, and this is going to be, this is literally one of those down-the-middle games, which is Death Stranding. Because that is an open-world game that is like, what if traversing the terrain was actually interesting? And that may include sometimes being frustrating, but what if we actually did something with that? What if it was not just holding down forwards? Yeah. Uh, or, you know, not interjecting combat or other things. It's like, no, you actually getting across the world is the game. The game. And, like, the combat is, like, interestingly tied into that. And, of course, it's super weird. And you're, like, throwing grenades if you're in blood and stuff. Because this is a Kojima game. But I, I, I totally get that there are people who are not going to like that game. But you kind of have to respect that it looked at this entire idea of open world and said, look at all this empty space. What if that was the game? What if we did something different with that or made it meaningful? I think I'm just getting to the point where I, 
I want developers and designers to really question whether it's a necessity for what it is they're trying to achieve or whether it's just a way to tick a marketing brief or put something on the back of the box or, you know, just lure people in with, you know, these things that just don't necessarily pay off in any meaningful way. And again, like you said, I'm quite happy with that wide linear stuff like, and I think Sony has been focusing on that with some of their, you know... Last of Us 2 had some great examples of like spaces that were open that you could play around in but were not completely just empty And I think that's them realizing that in some in certain sections it serves a purpose for what they're trying to get you to feel and in other sections it's not necessary and you don't need to commit to one approach to try to do everything but it is going to change the way you have to put that game together and potentially make it a lot more work in some ways because you get to those more linear sections that has to be very very focused I think in an open world you can forgive it a lot if it doesn't have that level of detail in some areas and I think what happens is a lot of the time the producer or like somebody from above says okay we need this game to be 100 hours long and the designers are like throw feathers around the map it's hurdles and have the player collect them there you go 10 hours done I mean, they always inflate those things as well, like, you know, oh, it's going to take you this many, you know, minutes to walk from point A to point B because our map is this many square miles and nobody ever wants to do that. That's not fun. No, but they love saying how long it is. Like, years ago, I think I was doing a retro piece with it about, I'm talking to Tim Schafer about how all those classic um, LucasArts games had over 40 hours of gameplay and he just straight out came and said, I think I was literally doing a retro piece on Grim Fandango and he just straight up said oh, that was our best guess we didn't know yeah I mean maybe it depends how stumped you got on the puzzles and things like that yeah and that's you know and that makes those experiences you know they're crafted and I think that when I like the shift to this open world stuff it feels less crafted and that's you know it's definitely yeah. a drawback and it's it's you know I think when you've been playing your games for a long time you miss those those more crafted experiences like it's certainly like I just I find myself just not really being interested in like the, the Ubisoft stuff like I tried the Valhalla after you know Jess and, and stuff gave it you know some, some rave comments but I just like I just not in the mood for the tread for the you trailer. have to like be in the mood mood to just be in that place I think. yeah and like nah and I'm, I'm pretty much the same way um, with all of their stuff. Like, I really liked Far Cry 3, and I've kind of fallen off all of the other ones since. Um, the I think the only Assassin's Creed game that I finished was Syndicate, and I thought I... that was quite enjoyable. Um, but I've, I've attempted Origins, I've attempted Odyssey, and they just didn't really hold my attention. I think they're all fine in off games and they're like fun time sinks in their own way, but like, you get, like, I, for me it was Far Cry 4. And I also, like, really enjoyed that, um, paying Minas, I forgot his name, Bacon Minas, the bad guy. But, yep. man, I got, like, my fill for half a decade from that. Like, I don't, I don't need another, another one of those. I would love a new Uncharted, however. And again, I think it's where, especially as we saw with Uncharted 4, or in Lost Legacy, they Naughty Dog was starting to experiment with that sort of wide linear. Like, what if we have this as a really big open area, so you get that ooh sense of discovery, and then we funnel you back in for the more you know focused bits. And Last of Us Part Two, I guess it helps to have like a what six or seven year development cycle on yeah, and like the game just helps you to have multiple uh, being a prestige Sony studio mul- and like. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and, you know, probably budgets other developers can only dream about and things like that. But having, you know, very linear sections and more open sections and being confident with throwing walls up at the player and just being like, no, you can't go here. Go down this corridor. Oh, in this area, you can cruise around for a fair bit, and that's going to give you this nice sense of... Because you want the game to slow down, you want you to feel the world out, but here we want you to be terrified and, like, trapped and claustrophobic, and it totally works, and it's a better experience for it. And... You look at how Rockstar achieved that in Red Dead Redemption 2 in the most ham-fisted way of, oh, you went off the path, you failed the mission. I mean, like, that's cool, been bro, their problem with all of their design was... since ever, I yeah. think. Like... 
I didn't realize it was back in the year 2000 and I'm in high school <laughs> and I'm still using tank controls and you are doing this because you don't want to actually have to program anything else. It's just like, oh. no, you're off the rails, get back on the rails. And probably more that, again, like, like they're stuck. Like it's like, no, Mario you're making Kart. an open world game and my God, I imagine those games are held together by sticky tape and those developers are all just sweating oh, sure. over like, their keyboards. I, I'm, I, I do not begrudge any Rockstar developer who's in the trenches anything because, I'm, for one, most of them don't actually have the power to say, hey, this is dumb. Why don't we not do this? But also, um, yeah, it's. I just feel like it hampers what they're going for in a lot of ways. And obviously, it's, you know, how can you have a very intimate handcrafted directed polished piece of story when it also has to be extremely broad and wide and I mean it is it varied and inherently at odds like I mean if you're going to have an open world you theoretically can just ride your horse in the other direction and they've kind of just created this dilemma there where like how do you <laughs> yeah, yeah and like- I, and I- and I, again, parts, some of the audience will defend that and some of them will say, I only like those games because of the open world. And, you know, it's the same reason someone who loves that would pick up something like Shenmue or Yakuza or something that's a more focused sort of design, you know, world and say, oh, this feels really restrictive and annoying. Why am I stuck on these streets? What's with these invisible walls? Yeah, like it's- I mean, a lot of the time there's just also you're playing a character in those games, which helps, like, give your character a personality and they might just be too stubborn to fucking go somewhere. <laughs> like... But I think what I actually I want know. is, what I still remember, because we, we go back when this all started in the early 2000s, was, like, you kept on hearing the word freedom thrown around a lot when GTA 3 came out. And I'm like, well, not really. You're just driving around these empty buildings that have, like, no texture detail and you can't actually go into... Um, the only interaction you can do is like punch this character model of which I can see three of them in the same screen at the same time and it's weird you know what game from that era has held up amazingly well almost too well if you want to feed the conspiracy theorists would be the original Deus Ex uh, that is the kind of freedom I want where they, it was just so well designed where you want to do it this way it'll work You want to do it, that way it'll work I think it was probably bias being successful as stealth more but man like there was like that's that's freedom that's like yeah you want to learn how to hack through that computer you can do it that way you want to sneak through all the vents you can do it that way you know what you got a, you got that poison dart sure go go do go to that as well and yeah that was again i think that's probably getting into that design philosophy is breadth versus depth mm. depth every time Actually, yeah. 90% of the time, I think there is sometimes where I would, at, like, if open world games weren't, like, consuming everything, I think I'd be cool with them. Yeah. Like, it's it's having the variety of the mix that's important, and that the imbalance, that they they tend to be the, the more common thing coming out, rather than one amongst many. That's that's really where, the, where, where it's, it's not great. Yeah, they're like the pumpkin spice think... latte. It's like, hey, just... I just want an espresso, man, like... <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, they're so ubiquitous now that you can sort of pick and choose and you like you don't need to play every open world game and I think so much more is what's going to attract you to it. It's going to be the theme, it's going to be the storyline, it's going to be other systems and mechanics and it's no longer just the it's an open world game and suddenly you're like falling over yourself to play it. Hmm. I'm going to be interested um, to see how and it's, it's right around the corner at this point. Um, Halo... Halo Infinite is received because I've like looked into it a bit more it's actually quite relieved it's like they're actually saying it's not necessarily that big and it's kind of still broken down into zones so it is more like really big wide linear perhaps an open world I'm mean, very very curious to see how people react to that campaign and if like they do because it seems the opening at least still follows like a linear trajectory and I'm going to be very interested to see if that is going to influence anything or if Games Pass is going to influence everything, how are you going to keep people there for a hundred hours if they can li- if, it's, if they can just effectively Netflix their way to the next thing anyway? Yeah, that that I think the legacy of where Game Pass is going to sit in a few years and how that's going to affect uh, game design is an interesting prospect that I'm very interested to look 
with a with a cautious eye towards. I would like to see more ten hour games instead of fifty hour ones in the near future. That would that would suit me personally at least. Yep. That's fine. Absolutely. I, I certainly would like more of the same. Like more games that are a little more dense that don't take, you know, a month to, to play through. I can play through on a couple of weekends. Um yeah. I'm finding twenty five to thirty hours is pretty much my upper limits these days. Um fifteen is great. I sometimes find that ten leaves me feeling a little bit wanting um and it depends on the experience there like obviously some games are perfect at two hours some are perfect at 10 hours but for this generally if you can hit that 15 to 20 hour mark that's the sweet spot for me 25 to 30 might start to feel a little bit long in the tooth i think that was a common complaint about the last was mm. part two that it, it felt needed like a bit it of dragged out a little bit and i think they said and, as much they said if they had more time to develop see even they eventually hit a deadline <laughs> Um, whereas the, the final game would have been two or three hours shorter. Had. Yeah. They, and then they, you're getting to other things where it's like, if the bare minimum I have to put into something like an open world game is 40 plus hours, then it's it's really, it's losing me in a lot of ways. Hmm. Well, I have to say, I'm quite pleased that we actually... I don't know how everybody listening feels, but we're all more or less actually on the same field here. I really thought we were going to come across some point of contention. Oh, look, I put 150 hours into The Witcher 3, and I did everything in that game. And um, The Witcher 3 was... stands as, like, one of these kind of exceptional outliers. Like I said about, like, if open-world games could consistently have that quality of side quests... Well, it, and probably it was world an design interesting well. world to explore, and it felt like exploring it paid off. And it's the same. It felt like exploring, actually. Like that, need more breakdown of that game. I mean, I know we don't. It's probably out there. I just need to look for it. And, and if, it's probably the same reason a lot of people like absolutely fall over themselves for Breath of the Wild because some open world games. Are lacking especially like you open up the map and it's all there for you and all of the icons are already on there and it's just telling you to go and find them and that's what's the point yeah i mean and i think I it's think just a balance that developers need to strike the appeal between those two games i think is pretty different the widget 2 is just like just so thoroughly realized and like dense with story whereas breath of the wild is kind of like this childhood sense of discovery <laughs> yeah it's very minimalist in the approach to story so we've got two you know very incredible open worlds that are very inviting to players and encourage exploration but you know they're both in service of very different narrative and approaches. neither of them so follow the most common formula no and it but again those developers aren't on a schedule having to pump one of those out every 18 yeah. months to service shareholders i mean at least they weren't 2077 so, um, curious to see what would happen Red if they were given something to shift yeah. back from that a little bit. I don't know how reasonable yeah. Cyberpunk is at this point. But anyway, thank you very much, Steve, for coming and sharing your thoughts. I'm going to try and tie a little bow no on this problem. now before it becomes an open world podcast. <laughs> we certainly don't want Let's that. Close that discussion. Yeah, I almost got through without mentioning Brutal Legend. Whoops, there it is. Brutal Legend was also really good. Uh, Rob, <laughs> welcome back. Please join us again. I'll hopefully try to make more time to do that when I can. <laughs> Although we're, we're, we are rounding um, towards the end of the year, which is why I'm trying to talk you into Sadistic Santa. Um, is there anything you would like to pimp before we wrap this thing up proper, proper? Um, I guess if you want to see me waffle about old, old things... Um, which goes against some of the stuff here. Um, uh, I published, I do video stuff, um, looking at those on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash hellfire64. Um, a little more insightful looks. Um, hopefully, if you sort of see my vibe here, um, hopefully. Um, yeah, that's sort of the, the big thing I'll drop if you that kind of tickles your fancy. He's our retro man. And Steve, I'm sorry, I forgot to give you a chance to talk your wares. Oh, I've I've got nothing to plug at this point. Um, Gorath forty four thousand on Twitter, and uh, you can if you're into the board game stuff. Oh dear. Um, I haven't been posting as much recently because I've been flat out. But no, sh no shelf control is um 
my board game. That's a pretty good name. If anyone cares. It is. Um, but the next thing from me on Player 2 will probably be the SMT5 review or some news or other thing. Cool. And also, yeah, really check out check out Player2.net.au. Our, our, oh. our site looks shiny now. Yes, it's yeah, very, it's very shiny upgrade. <laughs> and, and, and I'll start to go and look at that if you've got a, you know, a spare moment or two. That's the power of sponsored posts, people. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> now that we're, yeah. we're paying, the, paying for the it to look pretty. Stacks of cash rolling in. And by fat, he means like I mean, put your yeah, fingers hey, really close together and imagine some twenty dollars notes in there, probably. Yeah. Yeah, and as for me, I am at Maybe pretend five. beard. Let's let's not go nuts. Yes, let's let's all interrupt my Twitter handle. Nobody's going to follow me anyway. <laughs> well, it's ironic though to go pretend beard because Tim. Yeah, I, I have not shaved in a couple of weeks. Real beard. I, I think I have actually told the story about how that name kind of came about. I mean, it's stuck about because everyone thinks like false